you know, we've been in a study on the, the battle for the mind. Last week, really huge response, uh, positive response from that, from that message. But what we're ta- trying to talk about, too, is just saying that, first of all, we need to realize that we, that we think about what we're thinking about. That's the big thing that we're wanting to do here, that we really consider where we're going with our, with our thoughts. Because the Bible says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, as a woman thinks in her heart, so are they. You know, so whatever, whatever direction our mind's going is the direction that our life is going to go. You are going to go. Your life is going to go the direction of your, of your strongest thoughts. And, uh, and that's a good thing if we're thinking good things. That's not a good thing if we're, thinking, if we're thinking bad things. But the one thing we really need to understand is there is truly a battle going on for our mind, that, that Satan knows that if we're, you know, if, if, if he can control our mind, he can control our, our thoughts, he can control our ways, he can control our life, he can control our destiny. And, and the Bible says this, listen to the words of, of Paul. He says, I did this so Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his evil schemes. In uh, one verse, uh, one tra- translation says, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now think of this, this is really important because he's telling us that Satan has a scheme for you. He has a blueprint, he has a plan, he has the same thing for, for your family, for your, for your children. Uh, just like God has a wonderful plan for your life, Satan has a miserable plan for your life. And, and the word scheme there, what it really means is intellect, the actual word in the Greek it means intellect, mind. So he's going to be going after our mind. He has a blueprint to go after our mind. This is not something haphazard. There's an intentionality to, uh, to, what, he's, to what he's doing. And so so what is what would Satan's strategies be? I mean, if he's really going after your heart, your mind, and your and your children's, what's the strategy? He tells us the Bible tells us that first in for the, a non-believer, if you're a non-believer here today, if you're listening to us, cool, and we are so glad you're part of it. Uh, but watch what he's trying to do with uh, with you according to to God's word. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the mind of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So if you're an unbeliever today, what he wants you to do is, is, is to, to blind you, to make it so you can't see how awesome this thing is. And, and we know how true that is. For those of us who came to Christ later in life, for, especially if you know, didn't come as a, a child or anything like that, there's probably you look back and think, man, why did I not do this earlier? What in the world was keeping me from this earlier in my, in my life? Or you, maybe you're praying or really uh, sharing your faith with a coworker, with a friend, with something like that, and, and you're wondering, why don't they get this? I mean, this, how good is this, is this deal that we give God our, our problems, we give Him our sin, we give Him our weakness, we give Him our worries, we give Him all this, and we get His peace, we get His purpose, we get His forgiveness, we get His eternal life. And like this is, and they're going, how do they not understand this? How do they not get this? It's so good. And now we realize, because Satan is, is really good at blinding the mind of unbelievers. So what does he want to do for, uh, for, for believers? It says in 2 Corinthians 11, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere devotion to Christ. He's wanting to deceive our minds for those who are, are, are believers. Now, uh, you know, this week, uh, two days ago, we had something kind of weird happen. We had, in the middle of the night, a squirrel that somehow found its way inside our, the walls of our house right behind our bed, okay? So in the middle of the night, we were in... You know, just like crazy. I mean, just a foot, you know, foot or so from me. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not sleeping at all trying to hear this thing. So next day, I'm on a search and destroy mission with, with trying to get this thing out of there. So I thought, what, what could I do? So I thought, I, I, put a, I put a speaker up next to it. And believe it or not, on YouTube, there's a thing of 12 hours of dogs barking, okay? So, I, man, I put that thing in. It sounded like, it, I mean, this squirrel, I intentionally tried to, dis, de, de, you know, to deceive this squirrel into thinking that half of the dogs in the universe were wanting to go after it, right? So we have not heard from that squirrel ever since that, uh, ever since that time. But, but what I was wanting to do is intentionally deceive the squirrel to make the squirrel do things or not do things that I wanted it to do or not wanted it to do. And the same thing, understand, that is what Satan wants to do in our... With our mind uh, to, to deceive us into, into doing that. And you know, again, you know this is true. For every single one of us, we can think back in our life and we can think of some lives that we have, dis- that we have believed that Satan has had a given, put in our mind about ourselves, right? About, about God, about this world. 
about people, about any of those things. We can understand. We can look back and see those things. We'll understand he's still wanting to do that. There's still lies that he's putting in there that, uh, that he wants to deceive us with to affect how we, how we do. And notice that, that it says this, that may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion of Christ. He's wanting to affect our minds, so it affects our relationship with, uh, with God. Now, I'm about to t- tell you something that, t- that I was not planning almost the whole rest of this message, okay? I did not sit down and do that, and, but I'm telling you, I felt just this, this passion to do this, and I want you to know that I will always commit to, to preaching whatever I believe God's telling me to do, even when it's not on my agenda, okay? So this, comes, this, this is something that was not planned, but I think it's something that God wants us to, to hear because I think he is unmasking some things uh, for, for Christians right now. Uh, and the verse for today is from Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 2, and it says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. In other words, that God has, if you want to know God's will for your life, which I hope every one of us do, if, God want, if you want to know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will, we need to do two things. We need to stop conforming to the pattern of this world, and we need to be re, a, a conf, I mean, to transform to, for the renewing of our, our mind. Now, so what does it mean to conform? I think God gives us an exa- a wonderful example of that in nature. And go ahead and show up there. There's a, here's a picture of a chameleon. Well, there's, there it is right there. And watch this thing conform to whatever it's, uh, it's next to. All right, so here all of a sudden around the, the environment, it will conform to whatever the environment around it is, to the world around it. And notice that one thing that Christians, don't we do the same thing if we're just honest? A lot of times we start conforming to the world and we start, because uh, we're being bombarded with the thoughts of the world, we start thinking like the world, we start acting like the world, we start talking like the world, we start having the world's, the world's worldview and the world's values. It affects us, and we think, even if we don't think it, it, it doesn't. And, um, and, and also it says, I love the Phillips translation because it says, do not let this world, hear these words, squeeze you into its mold. And isn't that that a powerful word? And isn't that true? I mean, if we really are honest, we can see this trying to take place or we can see this happening in our life and the lives of those around us. In fact, we know what what it feels like to uh, squeezing into a mold. Take a look at the jello mold up here. I mean, this is the intent. And understand this. There is a mold that that the world wants us to do and it wants us to, to be conformed to. And I thought about this. What are some of the things, what are some of the patterns of this world that the mindset, the thoughts, the value system of this world that, uh, that we want to, that they want to squeeze us into? And one is this, is how about accomplishment is more important than character? Don't we see that in the world? Feeling good is more important than being good. Fulfillment is more important than commitment. Tolerance is more important than truth. Happiness is more important than holiness. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. There are no absolutes. Truth is really whatever we determine it to be, whatever culture determines it to be at the moment, whatever I determine it to be, which fits my, what fits my life at the, at the moment, not what God says about it. How about this one? Celebrities are the ones who should give us our value system. We should pattern our life after, after them. The end is more important than the means. And how about this one? This one we can all relate to that the world tries to tell us is your value comes from how you look, your position, your possession, the color of your skin, the car you drive, where you live. I could go on and on and on. So what are the avenues that, we're, that, that, that are this, this message is coming through? And before I say that, I want you to know I am not anti-movie. I am not anti-TV. I am not anti-music. I am not anti, anti-media. I love a good movie. We have some show, shows on TV we enjoy. We love music. I love music. I love the media. But can we just be honest and realize that, that not all of it is good? And there really is an intentionality to try to put us into a certain mindset. This is not by accident. There are things that are things that are intentionally trying to impact us. In fact, I think that's uh, Hollywood. Let's start out with Hollywood. Charlton Heston told says about the power of of the influence that that Hollywood has on us. He says this: the moving image is the most powerful tool or weapon to change the shape of the way people feel about the world and themselves. The printed word is almost primitive, like hammer and stone measured against film and television. 
Michael Medved, uh, he's a, a Hollywood insider who was also the co-host of P, uh, PBS's Sneak Preview. He said this. He said, hostility towards traditional religion runs so deep and burns so intensely that filmmakers insist on expressing it even at the risk of commercial disaster. There was a, a, a secular study that went on for Hollywood attitudes on the Rothman-Lichter survey, and this is what they determined, that the values, beliefs of the vast majority of producers, directors, and actors are in, stand in complete opposition to those who hold any biblical values. And uh, two very influential activists in Hollywood who, uh, who are very upfront with pushing their agenda and basically one agenda they're really pushing, they said this. Listen to the intentionality. The TV screen radiates its, embra its embracing bluish glow for more than 50 hours per week. These hours are our gateway into the private world of those who hold biblical values though, through which the Trojan horse might be passed. And how about this with, with, uh, with music? I'm going to go all the way back to the 60s uh, to a group and, a, and uh, a person that we are very familiar with. But listen again to the understanding of what's taking place, whether you like these or not. Just understand that. The first one is Mick Jagger, and he said, We are moving into the minds of, most, and so are most of, the, of, minds of kids, and so are most of the newer groups. Jimi Hendrix said, Music is the most powerful media whereby we can open up the minds of kids and teach them anything we want to, to teach them. And think about just the evolution of, uh, of music, of, of just the, the themes and everything in the, in the last few decades. You have the 60s where you have uh, Beatles, I want to hold your hand. In the 70s, you have Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical. In the 80s, you, ha you have George Michael, uh, I want your sex. And I can't even mention some of the ones that are, uh, that are here. Think of this. And in fact, USA Today, over a decade ago, said this. The difference between the music of yesterday and that of today is the leap one makes between the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated and the centerfolds of Hustler. Uh, how, about, how about the media? It says this, Ted Turner speaking to a group of broadcasters. Think of these words. These, he said, your delegates to the United Nations are not as important as the people in this room. We are the ones that determine what the people's attitudes are. It is in our hands. And think of it, this is the person who says, what he's, what he's saying is this, he's saying that, that we're not even trying to report the news, we are trying to determine and change people's opinions, their values and their beliefs. And remember, this is the guy that also said that Christianity is, for, is, a, is a religion for losers. He called Christians bozos and he made up his own Ten Commandments. I remember one time uh, early on in the, our church, there was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in part of, uh, of, of this community. What we did is a, a bunch of churches got together. I've still to this day never seen churches get together like they did in this time. And we got together and there was this uh, with a national organization and worked with, with feeding, the, feeding the poor, uh, feeding hungry. That we, we gave them clothes. We, uh, we got them diapers. We got them. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And I just saw people be encouraged. We prayed for them. We encouraged them and everything. There was just this beautiful outpouring of love from the churches gathered, to, gathered together. I did not see one person that was not absolutely, completely blessed. And I saw a local news station over the side, and I saw them starting to film, and I thought, I want to see what their take is on, on this. Because, man, how, do, how could you possibly say anything bad about this? And their entire thing was interviewing one lady who was crying and said, these people wouldn't let my child go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking... How do you do this? Unless you're intentionally wanting to do this, you have this beautiful thing. You'd have to look at one person, find one person that wasn't there, and it was almost, it, it seemed to me that there was one whole agenda of that, and that was to make Christians look bad when the exact opposite could have been presented or should have been, in my opinion, uh, pre presented. And one thing that can we admit that most of us, and, mo and certainly most of our kids, are usually more influenced by the media than they are by by what, what God says, by the word of, of God. I remember this, realized this as a youth pastor. I used to be a youth pastor years ago, and I remember I'm sitting there thinking for one or two hours a week, I'm supposed to have an impact on these kids when six to eight hours a day, they, through the media, are listening to a completely different message than the one I'm presenting with, with them. And for, when, when I was doing it, it's not even in comparison to, a, to, to what uh, Zach and Elizabeth are doing now. Appreciate them. Pray for them. Because they've got an impossible job outside of the, the work of the Holy Spirit. A stat that blew me away. I want you to hear this. I, I still can't believe it's true. It says this. By the time a child is six years old, they've spent more time in front of media than they will spend with their dad 
or in, a, in the church in their lifetime, by the time they are six years old? Can we see the impact media is having on, uh, on our, our world? How about education? I'm so thankful for the educators we have as part of our church. We have a bunch of educators in teachers and people in, in, in higher positions there. And, and they're all to a person that I've ever met, passionate about God, passionate about their kids, passionate about, about just imparting good values into the, into the lives of the, uh, the, the children that they, that they teach. But one thing that we have to understand is that's not true of a lot of our educational system in our nation. There's, uh, there's three families that came, uh, that came to me one time after they had had orientation at the college that they were presenting, that they were leaving their kids with. And they said this at different times. They all came up and they said, you couldn't believe what happened. Said there was a, a lady, the very first thing, the lady just stood up and she said these words. She said, uh, she said, we are here to undo all the values and beliefs you've taught your children for the first 17 years of their life. And I thought, oh my goodness. I mean, there's an intentionality to go to undermine the family, to undermine what the parents have, have done. And they're, they're bold. They were bold about it in, in saying that. I remember just one time, I, I did not attend Harvard, but I remember being at Harvard one time when I heard an educator say that, uh, that there is no such thing, or no, said there are, there are no absolutes. I've had other educators that I've talked to that said that same thing as I was sharing my faith with them. And I, I love to say, are you absolutely sure there are no absolutes? Because you think about it, that's, a, that's an absolute statement, and you can't, it's either, and if it's right, it's wrong, right? I remember one of my friends was hearing this, uh, a person say, uh, an educator say, there is no such thing as truth. They declared that, and he, I, I love this, he shouted out, that's not true. And the guy said, yes, it is. And he said, make up your mind. Right? Here's what one person, uh, what several of our youth said, that one of the educators that they had said, 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 science will eventually prove everything so we can put our ultimate faith in science not in some God. And I thought about this. You know, again, that's not a scientific statement. I mean, that's a statement of belief is what they're saying. So again, if it's true, then it's false, right? But here's the thing that I, that I thought of too is just like there's, there's some organizations that intentionally target Christians. You can, I mean, it's, it's obvious that they go after Christian beliefs, Christian values, Christian organizations. And there's one of those, organiz, one of those groups that, that did that that I saw in the Midwest that there was a, a group of, of Buddhists that wanted to form a, a group on their campus. And so they sued in order to make that, that happen, saying that freedom of religion, that's cool. Same thing with Muslims, the exact same situation. They sued so that they could do that, freedom of religion. The Christians wanted to do the exact same thing, and this same organization sued against the Christians being able to do that, and they cited separation of church and state. And here's the thing that I, I, I want to think, too, is, is for, can we admit for the last couple generations that this has been poured into us and poured into our youth that separation of that this that separation of church and state was the the intent of our founding fathers to keep Christianity to keep religion to keep the church out of the the government and if we take a look where it started was in in 1800 on January 1st 1802 sorry that uh, the Thomas Jefferson wrote this it was it's not in our declaration of independence it's not in our constitution it's not in our bill of rights that Thomas Jefferson penned this to some Danbury Connecticut uh, Christians to a church there saying listen you don't have to fear because the government has no business ever getting in the life of the church. And what we have twisted around to say is the church has no business ever getting the life of the government, which is never, ever, ever the intention of our founding fathers and mothers. You know, I was with in Washington, D.C., in the, in, the, uh, in the Capitol with somebody that gives a lot of um, uh, tours to, to people. And he said, you know what? He said, through the last generation and a half, he said, he's seen a whole different view of the people that come in for the tours. He said, the people, and this is the person that has the biggest private collection of, uh, of, uh, of things from our founding fathers. And he's argumentatively the, 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 the person who knows the most about our founding fathers and mothers in our, in our country. And, and he said, what, they, what he's seen is people have no idea of what our, found, of our nation was founded on. And he said also this, he said, if they have any idea, it's completely opposite of what is true. And I just wanted to share, uh, share this. People thank me for doing this last, last uh, service. And we're going to give, uh, what I want to see is show the intentionality of some things. Here it is, some facts about our government. Let's have a, let's have a history lesson. Our credo is, in God we what? The Pledge of Allegiance uh, declares that we are one nation under 
under God. And think about it. Every time we say the Pledge of Allegiance, we are making a decree over our land of, of saying that God is our foundation. God is the one who's in charge of our nation. No wonder there's been such an intentionality of getting that out of our, uh, out of our, our system. And then, uh, according to the Declaration of Independence, our unalienable rights have been endowed by our Creator. Listen to this one. In 1776, 11 out of the 13 uh, original colonies required that you had to be a Christian in order to run for public office. 29 out of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence either had a Bible college degree or a seminary degree. Listen to this one. 94% of the writings of our founding fathers contain quotations from Scripture. The state constitutions of all 50 states mention God in their state decree. Our very first amendment states that Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. And think about what we've done. We've actually changed that around. Instead of freedom of religion, it's tried to make it say freedom from religion. And listen, and why our government, I love this about our government, graciously grants freedom to all religions. It doesn't mean that our government was founded on all religions. And here's one of our founding fathers stating that very clearly. This is the intent, and this is their understanding. This is from, uh, from Patrick Henry that's, uh, that says this. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faith have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. I don't know if you know this, but our form of government actually comes from Isaiah 33, 22, that says, the Lord is our judge, that's the judicial branch, the Lord is our lawgiver, that's the legislative branch, and the Lord is our king, that's the executive branch. The first, listen to this one, the first act of our, congreg- of our congressional congress, the very first act they ever did was allocate $300,000 for the printing of Bibles. And how about this? Uh, in, uh, the, the first Bible ever pres- uh, published in, the, in English in the United States was printed by the United States Congress in 1787. I have seen this in the congressional records. They told why the Bible should be printed, and this is the reason, for use in our schools. Think about this. So what is saying, I mean, here it is. The very first time we've ever printed was by Congress for schools. Think about how we have twisted that around uh, recently. And, that, uh, and also, the Liberty Bell has part of uh, Leviticus 25.10 inscribed in it. Proclaim liberty throughout all the land and unto the inhabitants thereof. When a president is sworn in, he or she puts their hand on the what? On the Bible. And they declare, so help me what? And that's something that George Washington added in his inauguration has presented ever since. I don't know if you know this, but Congress right now, there's a bill before that saying that from now on that people that present themselves before Congress do not have to have that oath. Our national buildings declare our Judeo-Christian heritage. I just want to go through a history lesson here. The Washington Monument has praise be to God in Latin is engraved on the cornerstone. A Bible rests inside the cornerstone. My dad used to climb that for, uh, for uh, climb the, the Washington Monument for, for exercise when you were allowed to go there when he was growing up. And ten, there were ten scriptures and prayers engraved on the inside. He said you could have your morning devotion doing that. The Lincoln Memorial has many mentions of God. Here's one. I have a dream that one day the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of God shall be revealed. The White House, the prayer mantle of President John Adams in which is inscribed, I pray heaven to bestow the blessing, the best blessing upon this house and that all, all that hereafter inhabit it. May none but the honest and wise man or woman ever rule over this Ruth. The U.S. Capitol. How about this one? The senators walk under the inscription. When they go in there, they walk under the inscription, Anuit Coptis, which means God has favored our undertaking. A statue of Moses carrying the Ten Commandments when the, house of Rep- when the Speaker of the House looks in that direction, that is what they, they look at. There's a stained glass window with a picture of George Washington praying. This, uh, the inscription says, Preserve me, God, for in thee I put my trust. I don't know if you've ever been in the, the rotunda of the Capitol. If you ever go there and watch for this. There's four pictures. There's four pictures. They're big, huge things. And here's what they are. Two of them depict a prayer meeting. One of them depict a Bible study, and the other depicts a baptism. Uh, how about this? On December 4th, 1800, Congress declared had, had the, opened up the, the walls of Congress for, uh, for, the, uh, for a church uh, to be in, the, in there. For eight years, Thomas Jefferson worshipped in there with, uh, with a bunch of the rest of the leaders of our country, and the very first praise band they had in there was the United States Marine Corps. 
1857, the biggest church in our entire nation was in the U.S. Capitol. And it was over 2,000 people, and there were four other churches that were meeting at the same time within there. Can you see that maybe our founding fathers and mothers did not, uh, were, uh, weren't trying to keep government out of, uh, Christianity out of government, that that's a, a modern distortion? The Jefferson Memorial says this, Can the liberties of a nation be secured when it has been removed a conviction that these liberties are a gift from God? And Thomas Jefferson, who is probably one of the least religious, considered the least religious of all the founding fathers, said this. Not only did he found a church in the U.S. Capitol building, but in 1803, he negotiated a treaty with some Native Americans where he allocated federal funds to send missionaries to the Native Americans and then sent federal funds to build a church after when they were converted. Think of this. Again, how we... How about the Supreme Court building? Do you know there are 12 times there are depictions of, of the, the Ten Commandments uh, in, inside the Supreme Court building? And behind the, where the judges do their, do their thing is a picture of, of, of Moses giving the Ten Commandments, the very place where that same group said they cannot show, uh, the, display the Ten Commandments anywhere on government property. How's that for, for irony? C.E. Uh, Cup, S.E. Cup, sorry, in her book, Losing Our Religion. This is an atheist, and listen to what she says about our Judeo-Christian heritage and how important it is to, to, to not let it be undermined like it's being undermined. She said, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in the existence of God. However, the greatness of this nation is because of the Judeo-Christian values and the Judeo-Christian ethics and the Judeo-Christian principles that founded this land. And if we lose those values, we lose our nation. And that was written by an atheist. And what, what I want us to understand is when we talk about this, to just understand that there is an intentionality to go under, to undermine the foundations of our nation, to undermine the foundations of, 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 of what you've sent to your, your kids, what you teach your kids. And something here too, imagine if, if some, uh, the city came to you and said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a crane, a big crane, and move your house off its foundation. But don't worry, it's not going to affect you in any way. What would you do? Would you say, oh, no problem, okay, as long as you say so? Or would you say, no, I'm not letting that happen. You'd throw a hissy fit there. Why? Because you know something. You know if something's taken off its foundation, it's not going to last. In fact, some of the people, the builders in our church, I asked them what would happen. They said, immediately there would be structural damage, and if it, it would only be a matter of time before the whole house collapsed. And that, listen to this, this is what our founding fathers and mothers said would happen and, and warned us about. We need to heed this. They said this, here's Thomas Jefferson, and can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God, that they must, are not to be violated but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever." Here's Patrick Henry. The great pillars of all government and social life are virtue, morality, and religion. If we lose those, we are conquered indeed. James Madison. We have staked our whole future of American civilization not on the power of government, far from it. We have staked the future upon the capacity of each of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. Daniel Webster. If we abide by these principles taught in the Bible, our country will go on prospering, and praise God it has, and to prosper. But if we and our posterity neglect its instruction and authority, no man can tell how sudden a catastrophe may overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. And you know what I want? I don't want us to just feel negative in this because we can do something about this. We can do... Here's, first of all, we need to be aware of what Satan's schemes are, that there are intentionalities going after you, there are intentionalities going after me, there are intentionalities going after this church, going after our government, going after our, our educational system, everything, that it's intentional about that. And we need to be aware of it. The Bible says we're not unaware of those, uh, of those schemes. And the other thing that we need to do is stop letting the world squeeze us and our kids into its mold. Listen to what it says. Go back to what we just said, that do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We're just going to look at that one today, and next week we're hopefully going to go on, but, you know, see how we renew our minds and everything. 
But saying this is, first of all, that's in the imperative in the Greek, and that means it's a commandment. It's not a suggestion that we should do this. It's also in the present tense, which means this is for today. This is something we need to be implementing into our life today and not conform to, to that. And it also says any longer. That's the big one I want to say. Is it because this was written to Christians, but one thing that was obvious is he wouldn't have written this unless he said that these people are, that the Christians were being influenced and conforming to the pattern of the world. In fact, so, so I would really believe this, that unless we are intentionally not conforming, we are going to be conforming to the pattern of this world. We need to be intentional about it. We need to understand the scheme, and we need to do something uh, uh, about it. And also is, is this, that we demolish, and this is what, uh, what uh, Mike was saying, that we demolish the strongholds that are already there. This is the, one of the first verses we read in this whole series a couple of weeks ago. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they had divine power to demolish strongholds. And we need to acknowledge that, what we, you know, that we've been conformed to the way of the, the world's thinking and saying, no, 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 there's some strongholds in my life. There's some strongholds in this that I've believed, and I don't want to do that anymore. Joyce Myers wrote this in the book that we're going through. Your life may be a state, a state of chaos. If so, it is important for you to come to grips with the fact that your life will not get straightened out until your mind does. You should consider this area one of vital necessity. This isn't a little thing. Be serious about tearing down the strongholds in your mind. And here's the other, that we take captive every thought. And how do we do that? We're going to look at that. But saying that we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Two things there that are huge. First, understand that there are arguments and pretensions that are going against us every day. You know, there was a guy who's not even a believer yet that's in our congregation. He goes, I never understood this before. Suddenly, for the first time, it's clear. Understanding that there are things going against me every day. And I have to realize that. And there's either God's way of the of a truth or there is Satan's way of believing those lies. One will set us free and the other, the other we won't. And just take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And I don't know where this, this message hits you. All I know is I, I, I feel like I was uh, obedient to, to say it. But maybe it's something of just being realizing that, okay, they're, they're, our value system is under, a, under attack. And what are we going to do? We need to be aware of that. We need to be praying for that. We need to be aware of that for our kids. We need to be aware of that for us. We need to also take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ and demolish the strongholds that are already there. Amen? And if we could, if we could pray. God, thank you so much that you're a God that wants to, to set us free in our minds. And thank you, God, that we don't have to conform, that we can be transformed. So God, transform our mind. Set us free. Lord God, I pray that, uh, that the foundation of our nation comes back to the value systems of, 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 of your word, Lord God, and of uh, also family values, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are active, that we don't have to despair, that we don't have to be discouraged. Because you, uh, but Lord, uh, help us be wise and help us be aware of what's taking place. And we pray all these things in Jesus' strong name and all God's people said, Amen.